0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The title today is this, it's called Ingredients for a Triumphant Family. Now last week we talked about ingredients for faithfulness, and, and I don't know, that word ingredients just keeps coming to me, and and so this week we're going to talk about ingredients for a triumphant family, and I was talking to Katie yesterday, and, and you know, there's a lot of stuff I preach about, but I don't preach a whole lot about Family and and kids and all that stuff right now because I was telling her I talked more about this before I had kids. Now that I have kids, I feel like I don't know anything at all, and so it's difficult for me to preach on this. And you know, I I preach on all sorts of stuff, but it's kind of a topic that I don't touch a whole lot because I knew a lot more back when I didn't have kids. I so I thought, and now I'm like, I have good Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. But but with that being said, the Lord undeniably kept. Telling me you've got to talk about this. Like you have to preach on uh, on ingredients for a triumphant family, and and so I know there's some things here that God wants to speak to us, and uh, and so I want you to listen up today, no matter what stage you're in. Now I do know. Scanning the majority, the majority of our congregation, you know, uh, is, is people that have small kids, have teenagers in the house still. That is a very large demographic of our congregation overall. And then we've got a lot of grandparents that are a major influence in their grandchildren's lives. And, and so, no matter what stage of the game you're in, you are in a position uh, to, to cause change in your family. You are in a position to be a difference maker in the family. And whether we're talking about your marriage, whether we're talking about raising the kids, and so... I know that God's got something to speak to us today. I, I pray that you'll listen and uh and so I, I, I'm I'm gonna push through my uh nervousness to talk about all this and uh and I believe that God's gonna speak to you. But there's definitely some things here that that the Lord's told me, and things that I've learned along the way so far. Uh, we've been parents now for 12 years, and uh, and we've done youth ministry for a lot of years, uh, starting at full time in 2007, and uh, so that's 14 years ago. And I've been a son for 36 years, and so I'm starting to figure that out a little bit, <laughs> and all this stuff, so praise God. Uh, but I want to pray today, and I believe, as I said, no matter what stage of the game you're in, Family-wise, God has some things to tell you today, and uh, we want you to be a triumphant family, because I don't know if you've noticed, there's one thing the devil doesn't like, there's a lot of things he doesn't like, but he hates to see a strong Christian family, because you are a monumental threat to his plans in the world and in the United States of America. And he will attack families and try to rip them apart and do everything he can because a married mom and a dad, and, you know, we'll just go on the record. Uh, moms and dads, you should get married to each other. <laughs> if you're going to do the house thing, you need to be married. God cannot put his blessing on you outside of that. I'm sorry, but you need to be married. But on top of that, a married mom and a dad, Raising Christian godly children in the ways of God, that is a dynamite threat to him because you're going to raise children inside of a, a godly family, inside of a church that know how to use the word of God. They know how to take authority over the power of darkness and Satan and his kingdom. They know right from wrong, and that is a huge threat. And so, over like the last 50 years, California was the first state to introduce the no fault divorce law. But since that, every state followed after that, 49 other states. And really, since, for all the time, but in the last 50 years, it has just been a huge attack against families trying to rip them apart. And I hate to see that. I don't like to see family, and that's a big part of what we do around here is get families restored, amen? How many in here that somehow through God's Word and High Desert Word Center and the people of God, your family's been brought back together, and that's what we want to see, amen? And so uh, I'm going to pray that we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to talk about three ingredients. Now, there, I mean, there is a long list of things that uh, go into making a triumphant success family, but we're going to talk about three main things today, all right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for a church to gather in, God. We thank you that we get to come together with our brothers, with our sisters, and learn and see the word of God and worship our heavenly Father together. We thank you, Lord, for this. I pray that you will bless this time today in the message. I pray in Jesus' name that, that you'll speak to us, you'll show us things, you'll encourage us, Lord, and Lord, anybody that's That's been struggling and having a hard time with their family, God, I pray that you will show us some things today to give us the victory. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's dig into this and see what God's got to say today. All right. And so first of all, who in here, you are part of a family. That is a good percentage of the people, and that's good. And, in fact, every one of you is a part of a family somehow. If, if Even if you're not married with kids, you're part of a family. And, and so this applies to all of us. But here's a few things that God's really spoke to my heart and really some things that I've learned. And so these are very practical, okay? Number one is this, ingredients for triumphant family. Number one, don't be easily offended. Don't be easily offended and and i i mean the, the, i'm just very very serious about this that you cannot be uber sensitive and successfully raise a family or successfully be a, you have there's some things that you're going to have to not be so sensitive about not so offended about not so touchy about and 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 well you know how do you know this pastor Dave? because hey let's just get real i'll, I'll be vulnerable. I'm a pretty soft guy. I'm a pretty sensitive guy. And, and you know, that's why we uh, we joke about it, but that's why I was a failure at telemarketing. That was my college job. Katie and I in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we got hired to be telemarketers, and there's a lot of people in this world that are hated, but telemarketers are way up at the top of that list. And you call somebody and I had, I needed the money. It's not that I like to sell things. I hate to sell things. I am awful at selling things. I'm like, somebody could be burning on fire and I'd have a hard time selling them a bucket of water. Like, I, it's just, I'm not a salesman. And some people are really good at it. Katie is one of those people. And so, she kept getting promoted up the company ladder. I literally demoted myself. Literally. I was like, you go know, find some, I'll go clean the bathrooms. Get me off of those phones because, you know that's a very uh very low success rate in that business and you're getting yelled at and cursed at and threatened and every I mean just it's it's bad and i don't like that some people getting yelled at and cursed at and threatened you know i don't they, they don't mind it at all it's not my thing and and so i'm kind of a soft guy in a lot of ways and so in my life though i have had to make the conscious effort to not be sensitive and to not get easily offended because that creates a very fragile environment in your household if you just let things get to you all the time. And so there's a, and 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 let, let me just say this. If there's one thing that our current culture is really good at, it's being offended. Have you noticed that? You can't say anything without offending somebody. And that is a dangerous and weak way to be, uh, and, and it's across the board. And I mean, it, it would be funny and I could tell jokes and make fun of it if it wasn't destroying our society in such a great way. But offense is a dangerous Thing. And so we think about people these days, you know, you, you, you look at them the wrong way, you pronounce their name wrong or something, and next thing, you know, they want to burn your house down because they're so offended. And then I look on the other hand at Jesus Christ as he went to the cross, it says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, but didn't even say a word. 1 Peter two twenty four and 23, it says that he was insulted and, and beaten, but he didn't retaliate. He didn't even say a word, and now there's people these days, if they even think that you thought something that you thought that they think that they thought, they want to come after you and go after your kids and your mama and your newborn, and they want to destroy your life, and it's called cancel culture, and it's called all these different things, and... I'm telling you, that is a attack from the devil. And if you don't watch out, even as a Christian in your own household and family, you'll become very easily offended and very sensitive. And there are some, I'm not saying that you overlook every little thing. I mean, you gotta, there's, but listen to me. If you let every little thing get under your skin and get offended about it, That is dangerous to your family and to your marriage, and it will undermine and destroy what you've been working so hard for. We've got to toughen up in some areas. And so look at this Psalm 119, Psalm 119. Can we go over there? Amen. Are you still glad you came to church today? All right. Psalm 119. And just think, everything we're preaching right now, it's, it's to your spouse. It's not to you. Just think of it that way apply it to them not to yourself if you could I'm kidding don't do that <laughs> I mean people do that to me I one time I preached a message about something and and uh, and I think it was along these lines and I had this lady she was the queen of being I I she took being offended to a whole other level, it was, it was nearly impressive, how uh, things she could find to be, offended. you see the color of the carpet, why'd you pick that, I am offended, okay, why, there's specks of purple, and I didn't like Barney the Dinosaur when I was a toddler, so now I'm offended, and I mean, I'm, I'm being extreme here, but it was like that, and so I talked, and she comes, she's like, man, I'm glad you preached that, that, my husband needed to hear that, I tell you what, that jerk, he needed that, and I'm like, lady, I had you in mind, sister, you were the one, but anyway, so don't ever, when you listen to a sermon, when you listen to the word, quit thinking about, man, my husband, he needs to hear this. That dude is tore up. He is a jerk. No, apply it to your life. Apply it to you. Psalm 119, verse 165 in the King James Version, just like Paul himself used. Amen. Look at this. It says, great peace have they which love thy law. Amen. Amen. And what? Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. And so I can tell you this much. Somebody that gets offended all the time, I can tell you they are not somebody that's in the Word of God. I will guarantee you, I will not go back on that statement. If you're somebody that easily gets offended, easily gets just anything, just throws you off all the time, you're hurt and offended and sensitive and upset, and you can't get along with anybody, I know one thing about you, I probably know others, but one thing for sure, you are not spending time in the Word of God. And I will see and put that in my own life. Times that I'm sensitive and a little sissy and offended. and uh, Listen, those are times, if I look back on it, there are times that I have not been spending the proper amount of time in God's word. Why? Because if I am loving God's law, if I am loving his word, if I am spending time with him, there's a couple things that are going to happen in my life. There's a lot of things, but two things from this verse, I'm going to have great peace. So anytime someone comes up and says, man, I just don't have any peace, no peace at all, I can't get no peace, there's no peace in my life, have you been spending very much time in the Word? Oh, yeah, I'm saturated in the Word. Eh. Nope, no you're not, because there's no way that you saturate yourself in the Word of God and you don't have great peace, or else the Bible's a lie, and I choose that you're the one that's probably wrong, but... If we love God's law, love His word, and I've got dozens of other verses to back this up, but, but follow me, you're gonna have great peace and nothing shall offend them. And so in our homes, in our lives, in our families, if you want great peace, the word of God is gonna have to be king. It's gonna have to be a priority, not an afterthought in your life. And it's, and, and, and listen, This will change the way you live your life. You're not going to be easily offended about things. And so I'll say this for me because I I love the word of God and I do my best to make it an absolute priority in my life every single day of the week, every day of the year. I love God's word. But a big breakthrough for me was choosing to not be sensitive. You realize the power of choice in your life? There's a lot of things that used to bug me and get under my skin and, and used to offend me and irritate me and, and, and upset me that, you know what, I just choose to not let it get to me anymore. Well, it's not that simple. I, I remember this episode, I, this may be a bad example, but we were watching this episode a long time ago of Seinfeld, the TV show. And this guy from high school wanted to challenge him to a race, and Seinfeld knew this guy can beat me there's no way I can beat him. And so his response was always, I choose not to run. I choose not to run. And so in my life, even though things could be taken the wrong way, things could come out, I choose not to be offended. I choose not to be sensitive. I choose to not let things just get to me. I choose to overlook things that my own family and my own friends and my own church family and my own people, I choose to. To overlook things. Like, well, I wish I could do that. You can do that. But if you want to create a stable environment in your home and in your family and be a triumphant family, you're going to have to choose to overlook some things and not be sensitive and not let things get to you. And living in a large family, anybody in here, you're from kind of a large family, three, four or more kids. Okay. You have opportunities by the day. Right. You have opportunities. I mean, even if there's just a couple people, but you have nonstop opportunities to choose to let things get to you. And I was just thinking about it this last Sunday morning. I didn't tell anybody this except when well, my family knows because they were there. But right before we were supposed to leave for church, I super glued my fingers together. Literally. And I'm like, oh, my God gosh, no, and my daughter comes, in fact, I see the shoes right there into the front row that did, I don't know why those shoes are there, but I'm having flashbacks now, but Ellie comes up to me, dad, my, my sandals are broken, can you, can you fix them, can you super glue them, and at my house, I keep the super glue in the safe, I learned that, it's in, kept in it a safe, I'm not lying, so I run upstairs to the safe, I get the super glue out, and I fix her, I'm like, okay, there we go, fixed, My hands were glued. These were just like this. Like I was a professor giving a speech, and I just always had something like, you know, this. And so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be up there preaching. And the whole time, I'm going to be doing this. And they're going to think it's because I'm smart. And it's not. It's because my fingers are glued together. And so... I'm like, I, you guys know I'm a pretty calm dude, but I'm like, Katie, get down here. And so she comes running with the uh, uh fingernail polish, remember, and truth be told, we know how to handle this because it's the third time it's happened to me in the last couple of years. So. <laughs> and this was probably the least of the three times, but anyway, she's just dousing me with this and pulling my fingers apart and finally one comes off and I see the skin ripping and then finally the other one comes apart. I've never been more tempted to be offended at a nine-year-old girl than I was at that point in my life. I was I was offended. I was like, "Why well, fix your own sandals. Ugh. And so anyway, I shook it off, and I came to church, and I pri- tried to preach to you guys the best that I could. But what I'm saying is this, is that there's opportunities every day. You can choose to dwell on these things. You can choose to just let it get to you. You, can, you know, there's a right way to speak up and communicate, but there's also a right way and a right time to not be a little sissy and let everything make you mad. And I'm just speaking the truth. And if that offends you, then, well, I'm sorry. But but listen, there are some worth, uh, there's some things worth some things you address and you communicate, and then there's some things that it's okay to just get over it and not start World War III over it. Can I get an amen? Just some things that I've learned along the way. Now, I I have a large family, and I grew up with a large family. There was a total of eight kids in the family, and get this, one bathroom. You, yeah. And so fortunately, there was about a 100 acres of trees out back. So some of us boys figured out what to do from there. But I'm just saying there was there was opportunities, man. And of course, as we've said, we weren't, you know, exactly the richest people in the world. And so when you've got how many there's five boys in the family, five boys. And listen, when you're coming down to that last piece of chicken or that last piece of pizza, and you know your brother's eyeballing it too, there is an opportunity for fist fights to break out over a uh, over a chicken wing. Listen, me and Josh, we can eat fast. You, <laughs> you've seen Joey Chestnut at the hot dog contest. That's the boys in our family. If we're all there, even now at Christmas, we're like, I hey, will beat him. He's 40 years old, but I don't care. I'm going to beat. Him. And so, you got to choose, though. In all seriousness. Choose to not be easily offended. Parents towards your children, children towards your parents, husbands and wives towards each other. And it, it sounds like a joke, but I'm being absolutely serious, absolutely serious. Don't be so sensitive. Amen. Now uh, you don't you need, you need to not you know uh, spouses and family members. You know, don't be mean to each other. Don't don't. That doesn't give us a chance to leave church today and say, Did "You hear that, jerk." Hear what he said? Don't get offended. No, I'm not talking about that. But at the same time, don't go out of your way to be mean, but don't go out of your way to constantly be offended and sensitive about every little thing that your family says, because inevitably things will be said, things will be done that you don't appreciate very much. All right. Let me show you something here in James chapter three, James chapter three. Now, as we're turning there, um, you know, I I'm definitely probably wouldn't be considered like a uh, a drill instructor dad a drill sergeant my family will tell you that I I am working on being more strict and all that fun stuff but uh I'm definitely I'm not you know, praise God for the dads and moms that are. It's not in my nature to go, you know, cracking the whip and, you know, rah, you know, give me 20. That's just not my nature. I, I, I need to do better with that. But I do have a couple of non-negotiable rules for the household. One of them is no glitter. You don't bring glitter into Pastor Dave's house or you get choke slammed through the hood of your car. Keep that devil magic away from my house. I hate that junk. That stuff is baloney glitter is of the devil now play-doh is is on that list also it's getting close to the top and then parents do you have kids that watch youtube and watch these slime videos i mean what is up with that but guess what else That is just this close to being forbidden in my house. I hate slime, Play-Doh, but nothing is worse than glitter. If you show up with glitter, expect the door to be slammed in your face and sent to the road. You do not bring that junk to my house. But another non-negotiable rule is don't take children into an antique shop. That's another non-negotiable. Don't even ask me. I will not take your kids into an antique shop. I will not take my kids into an antique shop because everything is so fragile, and they want to touch everything, that by the time we leave, you're hauling me out on a stretcher, pumping oxygen into my chest, because I'm about gone, they're about having a nervous breakdown. I've done this, I think, twice, taking them minute uh, twice, <laughs> I will never do it again until probably they're in their mid-20s, early 30s, but it's just, uh, everything is breakable. I don't touch anything, I hate this, and and and, and as, as sad and silly as that may sound, there's just a lot of people that are just the same way. They are so fragile, like, don't touch, don't say anything wrong, don't look at them the wrong way. They're so fragile, you gotta handle them with kid gloves, and you're on edge all the time, and it creates a very vulnerable, fragile atmosphere within your home. And it's dangerous. You should not have to walk around your house, oh, I don't wanna, don't say that, don't do that, or listen. Don't put your family in that position. Don't do that. Don't be that way. James 3.16, James 3.16, we're also going to read this in the King James. Why in the King James? Because these couple of verses I've read are ones that my dad drilled into my head in the King James back in the mid-90s when I was a child. And, uh, and in fact, uh, My dad, uh, you know, we were word people, and we are word people, and we live our lives by the word of God. But he he didn't want us kids fighting and arguing so much that he printed out a big uh, circular thing that looked like a no smoking sign, but it's not a a slash down the middle. But it said no strife on one side, (laughs) and on the other side it said James three sixteen. And he hung it on the mirror of our Chevy van. And everywhere I get picked up from baseball practice, and what's that? What's that on your bed? I don't, I don't never mind. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, you know, what do you say? How do you explain that? <laughs> it was a good thing. I'm glad we did it. I mean, I know these Bible verses for sure now. <laughs> James three sixteen, and so we need to get these. It says, "For where there for where envying and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work." Have you noticed that when there's strife, when there's fighting, when there's offense, when there's all this going on, there's confusion and every evil work. Have you ever been in an environment of strife, whether it's at work or at home or somewhere else? And you can just tell there's been there's just a a heaviness There's a fog, there's a confusion, there's a cloud, and you're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know, what was I doing a minute ago? I forget what I was going to say. I forget what I was, I don't even know what's going on. There is a confusion, and every evil work. This is the Word of God, James 3.16, where there's envying and strife. And so I'm encouraging us today, yeah, we could sit there and say, yeah, there wouldn't be if my wife was nice. There wouldn't be if my kids respected me. There wouldn't be any of this if my husband could put his stinking socks where they go. Possibly. But at the same time, maybe there wouldn't be if you would build a bridge and get over it. If you would just choose to not be offended and let every little thing and again, there's some big things that are hurtful and you gotta deal with, but there's also some things that you don't have to let some things ruin your whole day. You can choose to do better than that. Amen? And so, there's, we're talking about this here, we're, we're gonna work through this, but your home life is gonna be unstable and unsustainable if you are constantly non-stop touchy and resentful, as First Corinthians 13 says, and offended over every little thing. You're going to get opportunities every day to be offended, but you're going to have to be a big boy and girl and choose to get over some of these things. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right. And I know you understand this isn't maybe the deepest theological sermon you've ever heard. Maybe you came today for just some deep theology. We can do that. We can go there. But today I'm talking about how to have a triumphant, family and works through some things number two is forgive 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 number one don't be easily offended and number two forgive 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 nobody knows you better than your own family other than god nobody knows you better and it is crucial that you don't hold your family members mistakes over their heads for the rest of their lives I'm being flat out real about that. Some people, you, you will forgive the thief on the street. You'll forgive the drug dealer. You'll forgive the murderer. You'll forgive whoever. But when it comes to your own family, you hold things over their head from five years ago, last year, last Christmas, 20 years ago. You constantly hold things over their head. And that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. You need to forgive as you have been forgiven. Micah chapter 7, it says that, that he will throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Isaiah 43 says that I will blot out your sins and your transgressions for my own sake and never think of them again. And then Jesus Christ comes along in the New Testament and says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. And you're like, oh, amen, Hey, got that. Hey, I remember what you did last Christmas. You ain't doing it this year. You ain't going to get me. Uh-uh. And you hold on and hold things over people's heads. I heard about this one guy who was talking to his friend. He said, man, I hate getting in arguments with my wife. She always gets historical about everything. He's like, you mean hysterical? No, historical. Whenever we get into a fight, she brings up all of my history, all of my ancient history, everything that I've ever done wrong. She brings up my history. She's historical about it. And, you know, it's kind of silly, but are you? Are you to your kids? Maybe you know some, even some kids to their parents. I remember what you did. Oh yeah! Oh, I don't trust you anymore. And there, are, there are deep wounds in some families. But does that change what the Word of God says? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Freely you've received, freely give. In fact, we love Mark 11. Well, I got them pasted on the walls up there. Some of our favorite foundational. Bible verses, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. We love this. Amen. But do you realize that the following verses say, hey, before you pray, forgive anyone that's offended you. Forgive anybody that you have ought or trespass against. It's super important that we as Christians learn to forgive. And some people are like, oh yeah, I can forgive that dude. I'm talking about in your own household in your own family. It needs to start at home. Quit holding your wife's mistakes against her. Wives, quit holding your husband's old thing. I mean, I, hey, there's some things that need work through sometimes. I get that. I get that sometimes trust has been broken in some areas. I get that. But it is not our job to be the Holy Spirit in their life and <laughs> convict them and 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 remind them. Listen, and that's the Holy Spirit's not always doing that. But listen to me, it is not our job to be judge, jury, and executioner. That is a that's not not fun, man, to be in that spot where you're trying. You've you've made some you've messed up before. You aren't perfect and you know it, and you're not proud of it. But you're at least trying, and then somebody brings up your past. All the time. You know who else does that? The devil. He's called the accuser of the brethren, and he will bring up things from your past all the time. And so I present for your consideration that if you are constantly bringing up your family members' past mistakes and wrongdoings, if you are consistently bringing those up and they've repented and stopped and are at least trying to do better, then It's not really God's side that you're working for right now. Just going to let you marinate, mull it over, mull it, over somebody. Amen. Mull it. All right. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Can we go there? Romans 12. Thank you, Jose. You got me. (laughs) Romans chapter 12. So, we're trying to help families today. We're trying to help marriages. We're trying to help everybody. And so, as we turn here, you know, I was, I, my mom mentioned earlier, you know, Katie and I get married very young. Uh, she was still in, uh, in high school when we got engaged. She's three days older than me. But because I'm so smart, I graduated a previous year. And so that's a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know how. I just ended up graduating earlier. So anyway, she, but so I had already graduated. We get engaged and we get married right at 19 years old. And it's funny to just look back on all the dumb silly stupid we were kids and you know we thought i look back on it we left indiana for our uh, our honeymoon we flew to cancun mexico we we left the country and we were just i mean we had never lived on our own to this day i've never had my own room in my entire life i went straight from sharing a room with my wonderful little brother that i love so much you haven't lived until you've shared a room with my brother Joe. That is that is an experience. But anyway, so I went straight from sharing a room with my little brother. And, uh, you know, hey, we got married. And then we moved in together. Amen. And so uh, we get there. We stay one night at our apartment. Next morning... We're off to Mexico. Find out, even to get back in the country, uh, you get, back then, nowadays you gotta have a passport, passport card to go either direction. Back then you could get into Mexico with just a driver's license, but the United States wanted a passport to get back in. And so I had a passport, but she didn't, so we land in Houston and they're like, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, honey, our marriage has been, that's not been, it's been a week. I love you. Don't forget to write, because you're you're stuck. You're stuck. They're not letting you in. No, I, I wouldn't have left. Or I'm kidding. So anyway, but I was thinking about these these verses when I got the revelation. I looked back at we just we were immature. We was like a couple of kids getting married, just dumb stuff. Um, back then, I remember one morning. Uh, I'd never lived on my own. Never really had you know that freedom. And so I'm like, dude, I am a grown man. I'm 19 years old. I want ice cream for breakfast, and I'm going to do it, and so I had this habit of, I'd make myself every morning before work uh, an, an Oreo sundae, and put just this caramel all over it, I'm like, my mama doesn't know, and my wife doesn't know, oh, yeah, and then one morning, she walks in, and I'm just <laughs> going at it, and she's like, what are you doing, I'm having breakfast, man, what are you doing, and so anyway, uh, we worked through that, that was an issue, but, <laughs> you got to forgive. I'm trying to be transparent here. And so I remember one day, though, I don't know what happened, but I'm not the only immature one because I'm sitting there watching TV, and she comes in and gives me a wet willy. And if you don't know what a wet willy is, you missed the third grade. But she's like, boom, right in the ear. And I'm like, it takes me off. I'm like, why would you do that? I'm your husband. I'm your man. And you're going to get me? And so I'm like, oh, I'll get her back. So I'm like, and instead of into the ear, boom, right in the nose. Right? Dead serious. Dead serious. And and so we worked through that one. But I'm like, and so then... Like, the next day I'm reading my Bible, I'm like, oh, man, score one for the boys. We showed her. She's not going to do it. I was so proud of myself. I called it the wet billy. It was kind of a move that I patented. But anyway, so I gave it to her. And uh, then I'm reading the Bible shortly thereafter, and I stumble across Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. <laughs> A wet bill, he isn't evil. <laughs> do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Now, I thought it was very honorable when your wife gives you a wet willy to go back at her, but apparently it's not. And so, do, verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Oh, I do. I do that. You probably don't. There's probably a lot more you could do to live at peace with your husband or wife or your children or your parents. I'll bet there's a lot more you could do. There's no way that you have maxed out your capabilities of doing all that you can. To be a nice person to live with. I would just venture every person in here, including me, could probably do some things to be a lot better and nicer of a person to live with. But it says right here to do all that you can. And don't pay back evil with more evil. Don't be sitting there thinking about, oh, she did that. I'll I'll tell you what I'll do. Oh, yeah, I got to get thinking of ways to get back at your own family, even if it's little things. But listen to me. It's unbiblical. We are to, well, as I said earlier, not be easily offended, but also, we're to forgive. 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 In fact, Matthew chapter 18, Peter says, Hey Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody that offends me? Seven times? I don't know. Jesus says, No, 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 no. Not seven times, Peter, but I say, seventy times seven. And Peter's like, Whoa! I didn't see that coming. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, Forgiveness. There needs to be no cap on our forgiveness. Now, we're to forgive people that offend us all the time. I understand that, that doesn't mean I trust everybody. You keep smacking me in the face, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to turn the other cheek, but there's probably going to begin to be some trust issues that I would like to work upon and build upon again. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and let bitterness and unforgiveness rob me and destroy my heart and destroy my family. I've got nothing greater in this world than my family. And, and you know what I mean? And, and that's the, the biggest gift that God's given me is my wife and my kids. And the devil would love to steal that away. He'd love to steal it away from you. Don't let it happen. You could probably do a little better. Who thinks that you could potentially improve just a little bit? Who knows your spouse can? <laughs> Colossians 3.13, Colossians 3.13. I'm already going longer than I anticipated, so I'm going to speed it up here. I'm going to speed it up because, as Katie mentioned, just so everyone knows, we will be out of town this week. Don't try to show up to my house. I've got a house sitter, so eh. Can't go in. But at the same time, um, we will be gone, uh, and we'll, I'm going as deep into the woods as I can, into the Sequoia National Forest. If you find me, you're incredible, but you will probably not find me. Thank you. Yeah, Virginia knows. She's my Sequoia sister. She loves it up there, too. And so anyway, we won't really be reachable um, and all that stuff, so praise God. But but I'm just telling you uh, – We love you. We're going to be out of town for a little bit. Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. And this is a verse that consistently comes to my mind. I think about this verse all the time. Colossians 3 and verse 13. And, man, there's some verses I call that you need to have on speed dial. This is one of them. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive some of the people who offend you. Anyone. Who offends you? Remember, the Lord forgave you! So you must forgive others. Anyone in here that the Lord forgave you of something? I mean, you have been, you've been forgiven. You have not been perfect this whole time. You've been forgiven. And the scripture tells us not that you should forgive other people. You really, really should. It says you must forgive Others. And and how many people should you forgive who offend you? Anyone. All. Everyone who offends you. Will this include your very own family and relatives? Yes, it would. Absolutely. The Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. C.S. Lewis said, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. Oh, I, can pre- I can preach about forgiveness in any church in America and get plenty of amens. Then they're like, okay, now you go out and do it. Oh, oh, hey, well, no, no, I thought you were talking about my wife. I thought you were talking about that guy over there. I thought you were talking about my brother. No, we're talking about you. Forgiveness is a beautiful idea, and everybody loves to hear about that because you want everybody to forgive you when you've done something wrong. But guess what? You owe it to them, too. According to the scripture, I mean, you're like, well, yeah, but they did this. Fine, whatever. How about Jesus Christ dying on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. How about that? Nobody has done more wrong to you than what they've done to Jesus. Guarantee it. And Jesus himself forgave. And so, I understand that there can be some deep cuts and some deep wounds but at the same time, that does not void the Scripture, that does not cancel it out. Just because the Scripture is difficult to obey, it doesn't mean you're exempt from obeying it. Some people are tempted in different areas, but God nowhere in Scripture says, well, it's really a struggle for him and his rage, so he's exempt from that one. But you still need to obey all the other ones. No. Just because something's hard, I'm sorry, but you still have to obey the scripture. You're not exempt from it. You're not above it. You're not beneath it. And why would God hold all of us to that standard? Because he loves you enough and realizes that if you'll obey it, it'll change your life. Did God tell us things to do in scripture just to make it hard on us? Or because he realized, well, this is going to be funny. Watch her trying to do this. I know she can't do it. She can't do it. No, no. God gave us order in scripture. God gave us guidance and and rules in scripture because he knows that even if it's really hard, if we'll do it, it'll bring a level of freedom to your life. It'll bring a level of blessing to your life. It will open up doors in your life that you didn't even know existed. So even if some of this is like, yeah, but this guy did this to me, I don't care. The scripture says Forgive anyone who offends you and make allowance for each other's faults. The third thing I'm going to say today is this. We're talking about ingredients to a triumphant family. Number one, don't be so sensitive and easily offended. Number two, forgive, forgive, forgive. And number three, God's word. God's word needs to be an absolute priority and foundation in your life. There's a couple of scriptures I want to quickly look at so we can close things down and pray for you. But look at Luke chapter six. Is anybody still with me today? Luke, you're still with me? All right. Luke chapter six. We're going to look at verse 46. Come on. Luke six, verse 46. And I need you to see this. We're talking about making God's word an ingredient and a prime ingredient and the foundation of your household. Because every Christian everywhere, if we say, hey, do you like God's word? There's not a Christian out there that's going to say, no, I don't really like it. Everyone's going to say yes. If I say, hey, do you love the word of God today? Everyone's going to say, woo, yeah, I love it. But it's one thing to be all talk. It's another thing to actually do. It's another thing to actually really make God's word a priority in your life. And so you are not going to raise a successful Christian household without the very word of God. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46, Jesus says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Good question, Jesus. I wondered the same thing myself. Verse 47, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching. What's his teaching? It's his word. And then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation at all. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And so how do you make Jesus the foundation? You come to him, you listen to his teaching, and then the ever important third step, you do what he says. In both of these examples here, both of these guys, they both did the first two steps, even the, even the bad foundation. He came to Jesus. He even listened to his teaching, but he didn't number three, do what the word says. And in fact, there's a whole lot of people that, hey, they came to Jesus. They want his blessings. They want his good stuff. They come to him. They, they hear the word. But if you don't do the word, James one twenty two, you are deceiving yourself. And so you are not making God's word a priority in that household if you're not coming to Jesus, listening to the word, and then doing what it says. You have to love god's word if you're going to get this foundation and the final thing i want to show you is deuteronomy chapter 6 this was a last minute addition to the sermon i because i just cannot overlook this deuteronomy chapter 6 deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 through 9 amen who, who today you you've maybe seen a little room where you could probably improve a little bit you're like hey you know what i admit it i'll shoot my pride down i could probably do a little bit better than what i've been doing Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look here at verses 6 through 9. And so this is Moses talking to the people of Israel, giving them instructions and telling them how to raise their kids, telling them how to do their families. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. Moses says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. What are God's commands? What's his law? what's his precepts, what's his regulations, what's his decrees. In the Old Testament, it's talking about the word of God. And so you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands, to the word that I'm giving you today. Look at this. Repeat them again and again to your children. Do you ever repeat Bible verses to your kids? Parents, talking to you, grandparents, do you ever teach your children Bible verses? Do you ever have them learn and memorize Bible verses, and repeat them to you. This isn't, I'm I'm not judging, I'm saying, I'm trying to help you. If you do, it'll really help your life out. It's how the Bible says to raise your kids. And so, what does it say to do right here? It says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting the, when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Like, whoa, calm down, Moses. You sound a little obsessed with this thing. What's the big idea here? But this is so crucial. If we would raise our kids like this, and repeat to them, honey, I know you're scared, but repeat after me. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say that with me, honey. Say say that with daddy. Say that with me. If you would repeat them, or or I, they think that they're going to fail at school, they think they're going to fail in something. No, you repeat after me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Them. Repeat that to me. And listen, Moses said, don't just do it then, do it at home. Do it when you're on the road. How many of you, you drive places with your kids? What do you do the whole time? You listen to the radio? They play on their phones? They What you could be doing is repeating scripture to them. You know, we have a 35-minute drive to school one way every day. Josh and Julie and other kids go, so we get to tag team and carpool. But 150 miles a day, round trip, taking our kids to school five days a week, 150 miles a day every single day. And so... There's a lot of time there to do a lot of things. We can argue. We can fight. We can drink slushies. There's a lot of things you can do. One thing you could do is give the Bible to one of the kids and say, hey, read a couple chapters to me along the way. Your kids are going to hate that when they grow up. I didn't hate it. I grew up pretty good, and I love my life. And I'm glad that my parents – someone told me when I was a teenager, man, your parents, they're (laughs) – you're, they're going to – they force this down your throat. They're not forcing anything down my throat. I want this. I, I want this because I've seen how jacked up your family is. Oh, I didn't say that, but anyway. Don't say that. Don't say that to people. But listen, I don't regret having my parents teach me script. We took the Bible so seriously that any time my dad sneezed, he said a Bible verse. You think I'm joking? Any time Peter 2.24, by his stripes I've been healed. Amen. <laughs> Anytime my mom answered the phone growing up, she didn't say hello. Every time, 100% of the time, ring, ring, Jesus loves you. Every time, growing up, dude, your mom just told me Jesus loves me. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, Moses says to repeat it while they're driving. And so, you know, I'm not, I, I we need to take this serious, okay? And so I've done a lot of probably things wrong As a parent, okay, I'll be the first to admit it. I've done dumb things. I've said dumb things. I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot more mistakes in 12 years than I thought that I would. There's a couple things that I could say, you know what, I think that I'm headed in the right direction with this. And one of them is teaching my kids scripture. And another is doing this even on the way to school. And so we they go to the Christian school in Victorville, and they have you tabulate the Bible verses and last year, Isaac kept reading the most Bible verses. He was doing about 980 verses a month that he was reading. And I'm like, go, Isaac. That's awesome, brother. Nearly a 1,000 verses a month. And am I saying that to brag? No, what I'm saying is this. Hey, I've done a lot of just stupid things. I used to make pancakes every single morning seven days a week, Joel got dehydrated. I've done some dumb things, okay? You can't do that. I gained a lot of weight. I like pancakes. But I've done some dumb things. But I do know this much as a parent and as being a part of a family. If I do things like the Bible says, I'm not that far off the path. And I don't want just my kids to read a bunch of scripture. It's one thing to say, you know, hey, he read a thousand verses. That's a good thing. But what makes me even more happy is when they're in a bad situation and they quote the scripture themselves. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about today. Ingredients for a triumphant family. You can't be touchy and easily offended and and sensitive all the time. You've got to forgive and not hold their mistakes and faults over their head all the time. And you need to take God's word very, very seriously. Even if your kids are teenagers now and you haven't done much Bible reading, just start getting it into them some way, somehow. Even if you're a grandparent and now you're just talking to the grandkids, start getting it in their lives. It is the number one best thing you can do. And there's a lot more that goes into raising a family, as we all know. But I know just these three simple things are some of the key ingredients. And our heart and our goal, our whole mission statement says that we are a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. We love families. We love marriages. We love seeing moms and dads get married. We love seeing babies born. We love seeing marriages restored and families being triumphant and overcoming everything that comes against them it is our heartbeat it is our passion at high desert word center is your families and your marriages and your kids and so i present all this for your consideration today on how you can have a triumphant family can we get an amen today amen all right let's stand up together can we stand up thank you for listening to this podcast